Previously on Battlestar Galactica. A third building has collapsed. World Trade Center Building 7. Have you noticed how many successful restaurants are theme-based these days? Uh, I got permission so I was pretty young, like 12. Do you I'd, rather that? Be, I'd rather be dead in a ditch. You can't buy paint. You can't buy lawn, you can't buy lawn fertilizer or grass seed or whatever. I mean, come on. I'm not willing to keep my can secure under wraps just because the government tells me to. Tailgate! That means football games, Ohio State, thousands of people in parking lots, on roofs. You know, it's time for our state to be opened up. We're tired of not being able to buy the things that we need, go to the hairdressers, get our hair done. I'm so proud to endorse Joe Biden for President of the United States. Joe already has what is the most progressive platform of any major party nominee in history. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. People of Earth, how are you? Broadcasting live to tape from the dirtiest city in the world, outside of Italy, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What are you thinking about when that buzzer's on for that line? What do you think about when the 15th round you're coming out? You're listening to the podcast of a failing world. The Society Show. You know, we're living in a society. On today's episode, a leaked dossier revealed that anti-Corbin right-wing Labor Party operatives worked against Jeremy Corbin in the general election to sabotage him and oust him as leader of the party. What do you want, Breton Trash? Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the Democratic presidential race and has endorsed Joe Biden. The Bernie bros are here! Let him go! A Dutch 5G conspiracy theorist burned down telecommunication poles in the Netherlands. The arsonists wrongfully believe that 5G causes coronavirus and also the telephone poles didn't have 5G technology anyway. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. And finally, the U.S. returned $300 million to Malaysia that prosecutors say was stolen in a corruption scheme. The settlement covered a Manhattan penthouse, a Beverly Hills mansion, a Beverly Hills boutique hotel, a luxury jet, and paintings by Van Gogh and Monet, owned by financier Joe Lowe. Lowe was a consultant for a Malaysian state fund and allegedly used money for bribes and kickbacks to foreign officials and even helped finance Hollywood movies, including The Wolf of Wall Street. So many great movies. All of that and much, much more. You're listening to The Society Show. Society. But first. But first, but first, but first, but first, but first. But first, the Facts and Logic Report, where I go through the news that you may not have heard of and should know from around the world.
Amazon fired two office workers who criticized the working conditions at Amazon warehouses. This comes after two Amazon warehouse workers were fired for organizing their workplace, and a third warehouse worker died from coronavirus. Jeff Bozo. Jeffrey Epstein survivor Courtney Wilde tried to resurrect her 2008 lawsuit, which sought to throw out Epstein's non-prosecution agreement protecting his co-conspirators. The 11th court rejected her appeals, so for now we will not know what elite pedophiles are allegedly being protected by the federal government. Could you please give us your name? Jeffrey Epstein. Is it true, sir, that um, you have what's been described as an egg-shaped penis? In the wake of coronavirus, the Trump administration is taking refugees entering the U.S. to the nearest border crossing and returning them to Mexico without a chance to apply for asylum. It was many of the people in the room, they call me racist and other words. Native Americans suffered disproportionately from the coronavirus. I am not here for rage, I'm here for revenge. Data shows that nearly a third of Americans didn't pay rent this month. If you can't pay the fine, they can take your property away or toss you in the castle dungeons. And by this month, I mean last month, the month of March, the last full month. Oh my God, who the hell cares? FDA warns Alex Jones over claims that colloidal silver can cure or treat coronavirus. I have all these other government documents. France has stated the U.S. is blocking an attempt to increase the International Monetary Fund's capacity to help countries in financial trouble due to coronavirus. Groove smashing, yay capitalism! <laughs> the Dutch have fulfilled their stereotype of being cheapskates by refusing to take on the coronavirus debt from Southern Europe. Other EU countries like Germany, Austria, Sweden, and Denmark also had objections, but Dutch Finance Minister Hopke Hoekstra was the only holdout after 16 hours of negotiations. Pardon, meneer, mijn, mijn collega en ik, uh, wij willen, wij willen, uh, a coalition of leftist European parties has condemned the EU after the EU's foreign policy arm endorsed the U.S.'s new plan to oust the Maduro government. As well as the kind of place you should go to war with because they have lots of oil and we'll take that. Eastern European farmhands arrived in Germany as part of a program to import thousands of seasonal agricultural workers amid strict precautions regarding coronavirus. Sweden has implemented few changes to help curb coronavirus in the hope that they'll have a more prolonged period of cases rather than all concentrated at once. The plan seems to be failing, however, as Sweden has almost doubled the cases of nearby Denmark and Norway. My mom is on the Swedish! 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 Albania made plans with Turkey to relocate immigrants and refugees to the region Northern Epirus. This increases tension with Greece because Northern Epirus is home to many ethnic Greeks and has historically been part of Greece at some point. Greek Lieutenant Colonel Christos Pugialis said, Turkey is sure to send its own agents among them. 
to guide and control the situation. Turkey will send some retired, quote, jihadists from those fighting alongside them in Syria who will be with weapons. End quote. They'll pay for this. In Mumbai, thousands of migrant workers from Bihar and Uttar Pradesh, two provinces in northeast India, arrived at the train station, expecting to return home after a 21-day countrywide lockdown. However, Prime Minister Modi extended the quarantine to at least May 3rd, causing the police to beat the crowd with batons and disperse them. Tensions between China, Nigeria, and some other African countries flared up over discrimination of Africans within China. McDonald's China apologized after African customers were rejected from a Guangzhou McDonald's. Nigeria's foreign minister, Jeffrey Onyama, demanded China give equal treatment after further reports of anti-black racism. Why are you running? Why are you running? Hong Kong, Singapore, and Taiwan face a new wave of coronavirus cases, much worse than before. These new cases are largely imported from the US and UK, while very few cases have entered from China, despite the proximity. The biggest conclave of conservatives in America. Nicolas Maduro has ruled out the world's first functioning state-backed cryptocurrency in Venezuela. It was announced in December 2017 when Bitcoin's price was peaking and the boulevard collapsing. Stocks, gold, real estate, and ETFs. Everyone's talking about that. But what about the forgotten child? Cryptocurrency. Saudi Arabia declares ceasefire in Yemen because of coronavirus. Just do it! India and Pakistan traded fire in disputed Kashmir as the armies barraged each other with heavy artillery fire, killing at least three civilians. Ill contested. And now two pieces of right-wing, far-right news. The first... A 13-year-old Estonian boy who called himself Commander Online was found to be the leader of an international neo-Nazi group called Feuerkrieg Division. He was linked to plots to attack a Las Vegas synagogue and detonate a car bomb at a major U.S. news network. After local police hunted him down, he cut ties with the group, but cannot be charged with anything due to being younger than 14. Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? Clearview AI is a facial recognition technology company that is already being used by police and some private companies. I've talked about Clearview AI on the first episode of the Society Show Reboot. But uh, to catch up a little bit, we knew that the founder, Cam Hoen Tom Tat, has ties to the alt-right. But a new article by Luke O'Brien in the Huffington Post spells out these connections. Tom Tat has, or has had, close contact with Pizza Gator and alleged rapist Mike Cernovich, neo-Nazi hacker Weave, and a neo-Nazi named Pax Dickinson who used to be chief technology officer at Business Insider. You've been on the front lines of corporate price fixing. This group had connections to Peter Thiel and consequently were, quote, 
assisted by Jeff Giese, a Peter Thiel protege and secret funder of alt-right causes, and Chuck Johnson, a former Breitbart writer and far-right extremist who reportedly coordinated lawfare against media organizations with Thiel. Groove, smashing, yay capitalism! <laughs> I'd never heard of Pax Dickinson, but apparently he marched at uh, Charlottesville. And then this guy, Jeff Giese, I don't know much about him. This is the first I've really heard about him, but I'm going to look into him more. And Chuck Johnson was the this, like, shithead who used to try to cause controversy on Twitter all the time before he got banned. I want to do more about this, especially the Peter Thiel and his uh, protege association. Is there something you need? Can I carry your weapon? Shine your boots? Back rub, perhaps? Because I do think Peter Thiel stands for the worst things about this country and where they're going. And he has the power to enable them. He is a Bad guy, folks. Very bad. So why do good girls like bad guys? I have this question for a real So that's the facts and logic report for this week. Let's transition into the big stories. A leaked dossier revealed that anti-Corbin right-wing Labor Party operatives worked against Jeremy Corbin in the general election to sabotage him and oust him as leader of the party. I'd rather be dead in a ditch. A cache of leaked WhatsApp messages and emails show right-wing Labor Party officials who worked at their headquarters both sabotaged Corbin's general election and also lamented when Corbin was doing well as long as, as well as a few other things that I'm going to get to. It was an 860-page dossier and it claims that, quote, an abnormal intensity of factional opposition to the party leader had inhibited the proper functioning of the Labor Party bureaucracy. In in quote, and contributed to, quote, a litany of mistakes in the way the Labor Party handled the anti-Semitism accusations. So what's the deal with politics? <laughs> I don't get it. The new party leader, leader is a guy named Keir Starmer, and he's part of the so-called soft left, but he gravi gravitates towards and operates from more of a right-wing perspective. In other words, he may be soft left, but he's working in the entrance of the right wing of the party. What do you mean? Starmer's statement on the matter mostly revolved around the fact that the leaks happened to begin with. He didn't have any issue with the content of the leaks. He was more mad that they were leaked at all. The American people are sick and tired of hearing about your damn email. Uh, some of the tactics that the right-wing labor operatives used included keeping information from leadership and giving uh, other information exclusively within the right wing of the party. They also would do would not do anything at work for months and would create group chats to talk in so they appeared to be working. 
They were distraught when Labour overturned the conservative majority, with one of them saying they would all need counseling, calling it awful, etc. As they watched polls in which their own party was doing well, they'd say they, quote, felt quite sick. I'm not gonna cry about my pa. Another party official said in response to Corbin's strong polling that they were hopefully peaking. Presumably because they thought the terrorist attack uh, that happened uh, in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert would incentivize people towards the Tories and away from Corbyn. We must stop the terror. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank, Thank you. you. Now watch this drive. These party officials would write, uh, like, truly demeaning and sick stuff, like wishing death on their colleagues, joking about shooting people, joking about hanging and burning Jeremy Corbyn. They made crude comments about left-wing female party members, and they also constantly demeaned left-wing party members by calling them trots, talking about hunting trots, saying the party's main priority is destroying the trots, etc. This is what Stalin dreamt about. Ultimately, it's hard for there to be a takeaway from this. I mean, on one hand, the message to take away isn't hard. The establishment will always find a way to crush even the most mainstream and conventional attempts of the left to seize power. But at the same time, the specifics of the story don't matter that much. You really don't need the story to know that the mainstream political apparatus is doing this. We already know they're doing this. And then articles like this, what they tend to do is make the, you know, the left wing feel vindicated and correct and right. But meanwhile, the right wing will just either be like oh well that's what it takes to win or sweep it under the rug or what have you and i think the real key takeaway is not to try to appeal to some referees saying the other side did this or that and it's so bad of course it's bad but there are also no referees so the way the left has to win power is to start gaining enough power that they can throw it around little by little i've got time to do a little self-care control public influence in the way these right-wingers are able to it really just comes down to power and the reason that the left kind of will get moped and be like oh shucks is because they don't have the power and that's all they have to do but if we did have the power we could shut these people down the same way they shut down their the left The next story, Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the Democratic presidential race and has endorsed Joe Biden. Half the states didn't get an opportunity to vote, showing how at every turn the American election system is not democratic at all. This country is so screwed up, man. But the thing is, think back to the beginning of the election. Bernie was killing it at the beginning. And 
I'm not convinced that Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada just happen to be the most liberal states. Obviously, people don't vote because it's like, oh, I'm the most left, so I'm going to vote for the most left candidate. Or I'm center left, so I'm going to vote for the center candidate. Regular people don't conceive of politics that way, and that's exactly why Joe Biden won. People didn't care enough to be ideologically committed to one candidate. They had other reasons. The main reasons that seem obvious to me are... The mainstream media was constantly hammering in, Joe Biden is most selectable. Joe Biden is most selectable. And they also really de-emphasized when Bernie did good at the beginning and completely over-emphasized when Joe Biden did good in South Carolina. Obviously, there's also the Pete Buttigieg. Salsa is salsa and ranch is ranch, but if somebody's going to mix them up, uh, I'm not above dipping a tortilla chip in that and enjoying the the mix of flavors and amy klobuchar hey donald trump the science is on my side and i'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard dropping out which helped joe biden immensely and i guess all that we can learn from this because there's a lot of implications is the state has many, many, many structures that they can easily mobilize in order to control the vote. I'm sorry, but I vote to evict you, Marcellus. But more people are also gaining a wider understanding of what the Democratic Party even is and how it even functions. For example, we should learn from Bernie's defeat that the Democratic Party isn't a party as it's conventionally conceived. Party. It's a semi-state apparatus, and it functions as an electoral pr platform. It doesn't represent the core interests of a core group of people. The party doesn't elect a leader. It doesn't adhere to a party platform, etc. It is just a giant semi-state apparatus that offers a platform to become elected. Authoritarians who want to control us so that they can have a silence. Because of that, we have to understand the Democratic Party the same way we understand state institutions. To use an example that strikes close to home for Western capitalists and is so ingrained into our society that we know exactly it's familiar to us, the Communist Party of China is an organ of the state in China. In the same way, the Democratic and obviously Republican Party are as embedded in the structural power structures of the United States as the CPC is to China. You're on the left. 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 It's the gulag for you. And when we conceptualize parties this way, I think it might be more tactical and easy to strategize about how to take them on. Let me say your truce. Let's go. You want to tango? Let's tango. Chrissy trying to blow up my game. She's going to get ready for war in a second. At the 1968 Democratic Convention, the Democratic Party needed to use the police. You know, the repressive state apparatus to come in and beat the rioters. Boys, what you want? What you want? In the 2020 primary, 
the the Democratic Party used the ideological state apparatus to depress, scare, and browbeat voters into Joe Biden. Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. Calm down. It's okay. Neoliberalism is exceptionally good at using the media to do what used to be done by the police and military. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but just unmitigated, unregulated free trade really props itself up, up well with propaganda very effectively. It reminds me of the movie Vice, where Dick Cheney is vice president, and he brings in his former boss and co-worker Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld talks about how he's going to be, I don't even remember, antagonistic to the public about something. Say some, like, dicky-ass remark or something. And Dick Cheney basically says, no, we have the media now to do that for us. One nation controlled by the media. Another example is in the show Succession. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on HBO. It's really good. The show follows a media company similar to Fox News, but they if Fox News also owned amusement parks and cruise ships, etc. On succession, the oldest son runs for president as a libertarian. And what is Aleppo? He makes a campaign video saying he would rather be arrested than pay his taxes. Another day, another dollar, huh, Norm? 50 cents after taxes. The dad, the owner of the company, is infuriated and tells him that they can't be talking about taxes because they already have arrangements, uh, basically implying that you really don't want to talk about taxes openly because it'll just piss off the pores and we already have such an amazing deal that, you know, shut, shut up. Shut up, bitch! Uh, I'm getting... I'm, I'm getting off track here, but the point is, the ideological apparatus under neoliberalism has taken on duties that their oppressive apparatus formerly had. <laughs> Duty. <laughs> Diarrhea. Hey, Lois. What? Diarrhea. <laughs> Pete, I'm holding iced tea. And I'm not really sure what to do about it either. I mean, I have some general ideas. I might think about it more and get back to you on the next podcast. I'm not sure. Uh, but for now, um, in terms of dealing with Bernie Sanders' loss... Uh, People are looking for what to do now, and like I said, I don't really know, but here's what I'll say about it for now. I think people are getting too far ahead of themselves by thinking about what to do or what not to do. The left is much less likely to gain even less power than it was before Bernie dropped out. Uh, that means, you know, we don't really have much leverage. The left doesn't, basically has no power. I might come back with some special power. That means we need to continue building the left in the background while mainstream politics fixate their attention on the general election. By that I mean it's too early for the left to talk about what not to do because we don't have enough power to pick and choose. People should do anything. Anything that they see is helpful for a left cause. I do anything. Just don't do anything.
We should focus on building the left and not discourage people from doing it. To be more specific, um, this seems to come up when there's people with more of a centralist perspective. They want a singular mass movement to rise up together, centralize, just centralize the movement. Um, and I, I'm certainly more of that myself. In my socialist vision, I want a centralized government that is massive, societally wide, equal, fair, distributive economic system. I want a singular mass movement to rise up as well. I'm totally, I'm not an anarchist in that way. I'm not a libertarian in any sense of the word. I mean, I, I am on social issues, but I'm not a libertarian in the sense that libertarian socialists want to break up um, society into, you know, syndicalists, communes, or... I mean, I'm not very good with anarchist stuff, I'll be completely honest, but they, they want a decentralized society. I want a centralized society. Society. But, and despite all this, I... I feel like it's a terrible idea to browbeat people and discourage them from organizing and decentralize, um, you know, kumbaya type of kumbaya, my lord. dull, ineffective community outreach type, um, you know, macaroni, macaroni sculpture, community macaroni sculpture get together. I, I, you get the idea, like these hippy dippy, um, anarchist type things that don't really change anything. This is the deal. I don't mean to pass judgment on them. I think people should be doing those things. Anything to grow the left right now is good. It can become a more organized movement when it has more things to organize and more power. I might come back with some special power. I hope I didn't like offend anyone by like demeaning the kumbaya type stuff, but I I just don't think that's fundamental like a fundamental element for changing society. But at the same time, I want people to do that not because it's fundamental for changing society but because it's what left-wing people, some of them want to do. And they should just do it. Just do it! We should incentivize a world where the left is more broad than just um, a handful of little pockets in society. It should touch everything in society. And while I don't have any answers about what to do, I just don't think it's helpful to tell people this or that thing is wrong. Let people grow the way they think is best, and when some of them don't work, we can go from there. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, it is basically a completely new start for the leftist movement in the U.S. Now that there's absolutely zero chance that Bernie Sanders will ever be president. Our third story, a uh, Dutch 5G conspiracy theorist burned down telecommunication poles in the Netherlands. Nobody calling on the phone. 
Um, and in general, I want to talk about the proliferation of 5G conspiracy theories in general, especially with coronavirus. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! As the coronavirus pandemic has gained momentum, uh, so too have explanations for how the outbreak started and what is causing its spread. Among these explanations is a theory that the recent rollout of 5G technology is to blame for coronavirus. Many countries, countries are witnessing an increased number of groups talking about the dangers of 5G. In the UK, Australia, and the US, act activists believe that 5G is the real cause of the pandemic. Healthcare is the leading cause of bankruptcy. In that disrupting the 5G network is necessary to halt the spread of the virus. At the extreme end of these groups are the ones who warn that coronavirus is simply a hoax and it's a cover story for a more evil plan uh, that 5G is a crucial part of. Oh hell, let's just do what we always do. Hijack some nuclear weapons and hold the world hostage. On Easter Monday in Almera, Netherlands, Someone or people lit two large telecom poles on fire. Like I said, near, neither of the towers had 5G technology, but it became clear that the arsonists intended to burn down the 5G, 5G technology and believed it continued the coronavirus. It propped it up, caused it. I don't really know exactly what they believe, but it's they believe they're connected. Um, but obviously, these theories are very short-sighted at best coronaviruses come from animals and have nothing to do with electro waves or whatever also coronavirus is spreading in plenty of places without 5g and on top of that it spreads person to person uh not from i mean this is redundant but not from exposure to 5g it spreads person to person there's only correlation between 5g and coronavirus on a very broad scale like in the sense coronavirus is spreading also 5g is spreading i don't view it as an act of god i would view it as uh, as uh, something that just surprised the whole world. But when you look at specific cases, it, it just makes no sense. I don't know. It just didn't really make sense. I don't know. I'm just really confused about everything. <laughs> I just wanted to touch on that. Um, and then there's also a theory that the new 20-pound UK note has a 5G tower and a coronavirus symbol on it. Uh, you can look that up and see for yourself. There was a video on, on Twitter going around with it. And I'm not going to lie, I do see the similarity in the imagery. It does look like a 5G tower and a little like virus symbol. But obviously it's just one, one of those weird little things that people find in the world and prop up conspiracy theories but don't really mean much. And this last story, I think, is a really interesting one. It's not the type of story you regularly see on the news or even read online. I mean, 
I read about it online, but it was just kind of an obscure article. Meet the guy. Who, me? Van Wilder. Wilder. Van Wilder. G-L-A-D to meet you. Who puts the cool back into school. But I think it deserves a lot more attention, so I'm going to talk about it on this uh, episode right now. Am I talking to you, Pinhead? The U.S. returned $300 million to Malaysia that prosecutors say was stolen in a corruption scheme. The settlement covered a Manhattan penthouse, a Beverly Hills mansion, blah, blah, blah. I talked about this in the intro. He had a lot of shit. Me got the good stuff, man. And it was owned by financier Joe Lowe. Lowe was a consultant for a Malaysian state fund and allegedly used money for bribes and kickbacks to foreign officials and even helped finance movies. Um, I said earlier the Wolf of Wall Street, but he also financed Daddy's Home and... Uh, Dumb and Dumber 2. Best foreign movie! Uh, the company he was taking money from was called One Malaysia Development Berhad. And interestingly, this come this came up on this very podcast recently. If you're a, um, a society show head, you remember when I talked about former Malaysian Prime Minister Mahathir resigning? Basically, Mahathir was the longtime prime minister of Malaysia from 1981 to 2003. And then again in 2018, he ran and won, um, even though he's like 93, 94 uh, years old, making him the world's oldest world leader. Well, after like a year and a half or two years, he resigned. Bye-bye, bitches! The way this ties into the uh, financier Joe Lowe is uh, the reason uh, Mahathir got back into politics is because he wasn't fond of one of his successors, Najib Razak. Mahathir accused Najib of using the One Malaysia program for corruption. At first... I didn't really know how to take the one Malaysia corruption accusations. Mahathir seems like a xenophobic conservative prick. Our dad had taught us not to be ashamed of our dicks. And he's also highly litigious. The law. For example, he put one of his political rivals, who later became an ally, on trial for sodomy twice. When I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay. Cause I can draw. However, this story more or less confirms that there was corruption going on, and Joe Lowe, um, the guy involved, personally knew Najib Razak. I know him! I know him! But let's talk about the Joe Lowe guy for a little bit. Uh, he's a strange character. Uh, he, th- his first major deal this is the deal was when he sold a high-rise building in Kuala Lumpur, the capital of Malaysia, if you don't know, to a state bank of Kuwait. And then he formed an investment group with, quote, a Malaysian prince, a Kuwaiti sheikh, and a friend from the United Arab Emirates who went on to become ambassador to the United States and Mexico and is now one of the most powerful right-hand persons for the crown prince of Abu Dhabi, end quote. So all of these people, a prince, a sheik, right-hand man to the crown prince, blah, 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 all these people working with this Jolo character. By 2010, Joe Lowe was the principal steward of a capital firm. 
He increasingly got more investments and connections throughout the world. He helped establish Red Granite Pictures, which is the Hollywood production company that funded Wolf of Wall Street, Daddy's Home, Dumb and Dumber 2. And there's more if you want to look them up, but... Those were the three that stood out to me. So many great movies. Um, some more interesting things about him. Uh, Joe Lowe has a Cyprus citizenship, and he was also accused of electioneering for Najib Razak by holding a massive concert in Malaysia f- for him, but indirectly. It wasn't. It was free too, but it was very clearly a ploy. And then where it gets really weird is Joe Lowe has a lot of ties to United States celebrities. Do not be distracted by the beautiful celebrities. Uh, he allegedly purchased a white Ferrari as a wedding gift for Kim Kardashian. Diamond earring came up in the ocean and it's gone. And there's people that are dying. He bought paintings by Picasso and Basquiat for Leonardo DiCaprio. And he gave $8 million worth of diamond jewelry to Amanda Kerr. What I was reading said Leonardo DiCaprio and Miranda Kerr already gave that stuff back. But uh, Kim Kardashian has not given the car back. He also has funded just these massive concerts with Kanye like in tropical locations. He, he just has a shit ton of money and most of it may be stolen. I don't know. I may talk about this more on a future episode because my ideas aren't fully fleshed out, but I do want to talk about uh, China and the coronavirus. There are a lot of opinions about how culpable China is for the coronavirus and why. But this has also become a culture war issue in the U.S., so you will not find any nuanced discussion about it. You're a, a, a culture war warrior. The really terrifying thing is there's now basically a Democrat and Republican consensus that we're going to fearmonger about China all the way to the bottom. The, the more you love China, the worse you are. We both agree and we're both going to say we hate China more. That is a truly terrifying prospect. Um, I mean, people, also, people who want to blame China in general, it just shows a complete lack of nuance and context, and it's so simple that it basically means nothing except signaling to the world that you hate China. And unfortunately, since the discourse is dominated by simplistic China blaming, it causes their rebuttals to be simplistic as well. Um, people aren't really talking about this in any substantial way, and that is not at all shocking for American discourse. The mainstream media continues to spoon-feed the masses soundbite clickbait. And one little truth I want to highlight on that enough people aren't talking about, and maybe I'll talk about it more if I find better sourcing. I'm just loosely familiar with this, so I'm no expert, but I'll, I'll put it out there. 
The truth is, coronavirus in many ways was caused by capitalism in the most root ways. I'm not talking about how capitalist countries have handled it. I'm talking about the very root of coronavirus. By that I mean coronavirus comes from wet markets. We know that. They keep emphasizing it all the time to make Chinese people seem barbaric like they're just eating raw meat out of a stand or something. But the interesting thing about that is wet markets like the Wuhan one sell exotic meat. And the interesting thing about that is exotic meat is the only food industry in China that is completely liberalized and for-profit. Um, I mean, I might be wrong. There, There is obviously profit-motivated food companies in China, like McDonald's. Great American food. But as an entire industry, it is very capitalistic. The reason why is during the Great Leap Forward, when there was a shortage of food in China, the, the government tried to fix this by making it legal to eat exotic foods and it was not regulated by the state so the state didn't have it basically gave people a way to get food without turning to the state or state distribution methods so originally exotic meats was privatized in order to help the famine it was a last resort for poor people looks like meat But because it was privatized, over time, exotic meat became a luxury industry. I don't know exactly the word for it, but I guess I'd call it economic gentrification, where the rich move into a poor industry because they can make a huge profit out of it, and they do. I mean, exotic meat is a very profitable industry in China. It's worth a lot of money, not because it's popular. It's worth a lot of money because it's popular with rich people. Fielding Wellingtonsworth? Hello. Livingston Winsterford? Yes. In other words, the rich have taken what was once a poor thing and made it for the rich. I I think similar things have happened before. Like, if I remember right, lobster was originally, like, for dog food, and then rich people started eating it. I may be wrong about that. But I think people should seriously take into consideration... I mean, when I say this, nothing's going to change. No one's going to listen to this and be convinced that capitalism is good. I always search for... But it is, and it is true, and that's actually why people aren't saying it. And it's just not as easy to talk about these types of things than it is to be like, China's bad! <laughs> so, for next episode, I'll probably talk... I'm thinking about talking more about China. I'm definitely thinking about talking more about Peter Thiel. We'll see. The show is still bi-weekly, so my mind changes a lot from episode to episode. But at this point, it is kind of a necessity to keep it bi-weekly because it would have to be 
at least a part-time job, 20 hours a week, if I was doing it weekly, including all the research and whatnot. Um, sorry, sorry for rambling about that. I don't like to make excuses, but we are getting near the end of the show. Um, so here is the state of the state. State of the state. State of the state. In the contemporary world, it's becoming clear that neoliberalism has devolved into a cycle of excessively risky, self-serving, and dangerous capitalist investments, followed by bigger and bigger government bailouts that then enable even more risky capitalist maneuvering. This cycle needs to end, and it is far beyond sustainable. I saw someone online making an argument that neither the Democrats are doing their jobs because Democrats should be keeping corporations in line, nor Republicans because Republicans should be supporting small businesses and free markets. Have you ever visited a flea market? But this is a complete misunderstanding of how political economies work. The Democrats and Republicans are both doing exactly what they need to do. They are preserving the system we have, as all governments do. If they weren't, they wouldn't have power anymore. The Democrats don't need to do those things that people see are their jobs because they are in power and they're doing what they need to do to stay in power. Companies becoming too big to fail was predicted as a consequence of capitalism over a hundred years ago. Capitalism is an economic system where the capitalist class accumulates value from the wage employment structure. Government bailouts are necessary for the capitalist class to continue that structure. And when that continues happening, when capital continues accumulating, it's obviously an obvious consequence that eventually they'll all be concentrated into a smaller and smaller pile. My argument is basically when people talk about the government being too big to fail are corporations being too big to fail and the government helping them, that it's not really capitalism anymore. You know, they'll say it's crony capitalism or whatever. What I'm saying is that actually is capitalism. And the other thing I'm argument, arguing is that both American parties are capitalist parties so they aren't failing when they do this type of thing they're succeeding in protecting capitalism once you realize that you realize capitalism is inherently built on tension they're always trying to help capitalism but they're always failing in in protecting what people see as capitalism because everyone has a different idea of what capitalism is it's so many different things to different people but they overlap so there's this uh, kind of tension in understanding 
but everything about capitalism succeeds and also will fail by the tension between classes and systems within capitalism. Capitalism succeeded by using the wage system, but it will also fail from the tension caused by the wage employment system. Capitalism can and has taken many forms. Saudi Arabia's economy is largely state-run, but it's still capitalist because it depends on the capitalist class taking value in the form of profit from the working class in exchange for a wage. That's all that makes capitalism. Feudalism emerged as a dominant economic system because it was a more efficient way of distributing an economy than slave societies. Capitalism surpassed feudalism for the same reason. Something will someday surpass capitalism because as we see capitalism is becoming increasingly inefficient. My argument is that a hypothetical better capitalism is not possible. The global economy depends on massive international conglomerates, and any attempt to scale that back while still retaining capitalism would be unsustainable, unrealistic, and completely ahistorical. I'm not making an evaluation of communism, even though I am a communist myself. But I do think when capitalism inevitably fails due to its own contradictions, Communism will be what replaces it. Besides, capitalism iterates quite poorly over time, hence the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. I'm not saying capitalism is always worse. Of course, capitalism did give us a lot of the technology we like. I'm saying economic systems are informed by historical and technological context. And it becomes increasingly clear capitalism is progressing towards a context where it's less and less efficient. The nationalist oligarchic model that the world is progressing towards is capitalism in crisis and trying to constrict and consolidate power and capital to prevent its own downfall. State of the state. That's the state of the state. State of the state. My name is Christian Patterson. You've listened to The Society Show. You know, we're living in a society. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. Large Twitter followings. At Christian is cool. I-Z for is Christian I-Z cool. Or my blog, which is affiliated with this podcast, undergroundmall.xyz. Um, thank you for listening, and be sure to check out the next society show. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. On the next Arrested Develop. Thanks, lie to me, you a punk. This is one of the most important places in all of North America. Who are you? Mm. The Mayans smoked penis blood. Clap if you are okay with men wearing shapewear, because we wear it. They almost seem to make up laws just for charging fines. These pretzels are making me thirsty!
Was it good? I don't know. Did this ever happen before?